Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm Julie Douglas, host of The Stuff of Life, a podcast that teases apart the tales we tell because when we crack open a story and look inside, we see the seeds of what make our world so maddening, so strange, and so achingly beautiful. The Stuff of Life is a podcast about how we're all just getting by, learning and surviving through the stories that we share. We'll look at everything from fear and what fuels it, the inconceivability of death and our desire to become immortal, to the big universal question in life, why don't men dance? Join me for the first episode on January 27th. You can find The Stuff of Life on iTunes or any other podcast provider. with technology, with Tech Stuff, from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. Now, we're at the close of 2015, so that means it's time to look at some of the big tech stories of the past 12 months and to see what the tech world has been up to over the last year. Now, in full disclosure, I am recording this on December 3rd, 2015. So when I get to the month of December, there's not going to be anything to talk about because nothing really has happened yet. But there's a ton of stuff to talk about from the previous months. So starting way back in January, uh, first of all, I'll talk about CES 2015. I attended that uh, last year. 
as well as the seven years before that. At any rate, it was all about things like wearables, uh, the Internet of Things, automated systems, and 4K displays and 8K displays. Those were all the big, big items that were kind of taking center stage at CES. But there were a lot of other devices that were also kind of capturing people's imagination. I saw a lot of the various devices meant to allow you to scoot around uh, whether it was electric skateboards, like the hoverboard type stuff, or roller skates even, and some other ones. I didn't brave those. I didn't try them because I was pretty convinced I'd be one of the outlying statistics of people capable of falling down on something that is supposed to be impossible to fall off of. Pretty sure I could I could prove them wrong on that one. Uh, we also saw more VR headsets on display. Uh, also a lot of conversion kits that turn phones into VR screens. Augmented reality was still something that we were kind of seeing some products show off, but I don't think anyone has found the perfect implementation of that with the possible exception of the HoloLens, but that isn't yet available for consumers. Uh, we also saw a lot of autonomous vehicles which I'd argue is another technology that's still in the incubation period. I think we've got a lot of uh, evidence to show that autonomous cars are safer and more reliable than human drivers are on a day-to-day basis, but still going to take some time before that is ready for actual street use, uh, at least in widespread fashion. Early in January 2015, the White House approved of sanctions against North Korea, Now, this was in response to the 2014 Sony hack. Uh, Some cybersecurity experts expressed doubts that North Korea was the originator of the attacks, but the government, uh, specifically the FBI and some other agencies, said, no, this this seems to be the work of hackers out of North Korea. Uh, So there was some disagreement there in the cybersecurity industry, but in general, it looked like fingers were pointing to North Korea. So the White House approved of sanctions against North Korea. North Korea's reaction was uh, understandably one of um, disdain, I guess is a good word. But whether North Korea was ultimately responsible for the hack or not, that was the expected reaction. Um During his State of the Union address, uh, United States President Barack Obama pledged to expand broadband service to more United States citizens, uh, also wanted to push for net neutrality and invest in cybersecurity measures, all of which were uh, prevalent on the minds of people. I mean, it was one of those things that especially the Sony hack had brought into the limelight. Also in January, in the wake of the terrible Charlie Hebdo attacks, uh, in which journalists and their families were uh, threatened and, and killed. It was terrible. Uh, Anonymous, the hacktivist group, announced a essentially a campaign against terrorists and vowed to shut down communication tools and to weed out terrorism using cyber uh, attacks and, and cyber strategies. And this would go on throughout the entire year. Uh, it really escalated in November, but was going on throughout the whole year. Also in January, Google ended up shelving the Google Glass project. I wasn't really surprised by this. I was a little sad. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Google Glass, but I also felt that it wasn't quite right 
for consumers, and it was incredibly expensive as $1,500 for a pair of Google Glass. But Google has stressed that it plans to incorporate the technology into future products, both physical and software products, and also that Google Glass would return at some point once it was ready. So I don't know when that'll be, but supposedly it will come back. In January, Bill Gates expressed concern that artificial intelligence could become the biggest threat to humanity. He said this during a Reddit AMA, which is Reddit for Ask Me Anything. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, speaking of Bill Gates, the company co-founded Microsoft introduced Windows 10 on January 21st and also showed off the HoloLens headset. That's that augmented reality device I had talked about. I wish I had had a chance to actually experience a HoloLens. Uh, I have not done that yet. I really hope to have that experience at some point. I, I'm intrigued by the idea. I like the possibility of the HoloLens adding a new dimension to computing, at least some applications. Obviously, it's not ideal for everything. You're not going to use the HoloLens for word processing, I would imagine. But for gaming, for design, for understanding how stuff works, that's something I'm really concerned with. I really think the HoloLens is a potentially useful tool. So I hope I get a chance to use it at some point. At the end of January, the FCC redefined broadband speed calling it 25 megabits per second as uh, download speed and 3 megabits per second upload speed. It was a big increase from the earlier definition, which I believe was 10 megabit megabits per second down and 1 megabit per second up. It got some ISPs in a tizzy, Internet service providers, because now they could not claim a 10 megabit per second speed as being broadband speed. They could not advertise broadband speed unless it was at 25 megabits per second or faster. And uh, that ended up impacting their business. Uh, I'd say it was a positive impact for the consumer. And I don't have a whole lot of uh, sympathy for ISPs in general when it comes to defining broadband speeds. But that's because of my own personal perspective. Maybe if I were running a an ISP, I'd have a very different opinion. Moving on to February, we saw more data breach problems. Uh, an insurance company, a large one called Anthem, disclosed an enormous hacker attack in which millions of people's personal information had been leaked. Uh, not just direct customers of Anthem, but Anthem also handles insurance from Lots of other providers, uh, it's kind of like the, the back end for a lot of insurance companies. So potentially millions of people had their personal information leaked to hackers in that attack. Uh, just a few days later, the White House announced the formation of a cyber threat intelligence center or intelligence integration center, which would collect information and uh, organize it and and distribute it in such a way to prevent cyber attacks from being successful or responding to cyber threats. Uh, although that also raised some people's flags worrying about how this might end up impacting privacy issues. Uh, February also saw Twitter announce a new policy to handle trolls, streamlining the internal process for identifying and dealing with online abuse on Twitter, and said that after instituting the change, they saw a five times increase in the number of people being reported for harassment and abuse, and they were responding as fast as possible uh, in order taking it seriously, which was uh, great news for people on Twitter. 
I have friends who have been the victims of harassment on Twitter, and it's a terrible thing. It's one of those things about the Internet where the distance the Internet provides and the anonymity you can have can create an environment that can be pretty toxic in some cases. It's not always. I mean, it also provides the ability for us to communicate with folks we otherwise could never talk to. So there are great things about this environment, but unfortunately, there are some bad things, too. So this was Twitter's attempt to counteract some of the bad. On February 26th, the FCC reclassified broadband as a utility and passed net neutrality rules, which lots of people on the Internet absolutely loved. ISPs were not among them. Uh, and there were some politicians who reacted negatively toward this, largely the ones who who are also, let's say, influenced by lobbies that represent <laughs> ISPs. Uh, we're still seeing those rules being challenged by various affected parties. Um, it, it, we're going to continue to see this shake out over time. But the reclassification means that broadband would uh, providers would no longer be able to charge for prioritized traffic. In other words, they would not be able to set a an amount saying, uh, if you create content and you want it to go across our networks at a decent speed, you have to pay this amount. That was no longer allowed. Uh, they also could not selectively block or throttle traffic from sources. So in other words, you shouldn't have a company like Comcast be able to throttle content from a company like Netflix. That that would be against the rules based upon this reclassification. In March, a lot of news happened here. On March 6th, the Dawn probe entered orbit around Ceres, which meant that for the first time ever, we had a spacecraft enter the orbit of a dwarf planet. And that was pretty incredible and uh, really exciting stuff. I was very pleased to read the news about that. And the the information about Ceres was really fascinating. Uh, we also learned in March that Tinder, this will not be the only Tinder story in 2015. I find Tinder endlessly fascinating. Tinder, uh, we found out, charges older users more for their premium service than younger users. So if you are a user of a certain age and you want to use Tinder premium, your rates will be higher than people younger than you are. Tinder's response was that old people tend to have more money. So that's why, I guess. Uh, later in March, a hacker created a program that connected straight men with other straight men. But it appeared that each of the straight men were in touch with a woman and created a situation in which straight men were essentially flirting with each other. And uh, the way it worked was the hacker created fake bait profiles of women. And when two men identified that they were interested in that specific woman, his program would link those two men up to each other, but they would each believe they were actually talking to the bait profile, not to another guy. And when asked about his motivation for this, the hacker said that he had female friends who complained about the types of messages they would receive on Tinder, that they thought that they were distasteful and harassing. And he thought, well, this will give guys a taste of their own medicine. Um, of course, this targets all guys, not just the ones who are being jerk faces. Um, at any rate, it was a kind of an amusing story. Also in March, we saw the launch of 
two different broadcast services, two that were supposed to be using uh, Twitter as a means of, of linking profiles, uh, Meerkat and Periscope. Now, between the two, Periscope did much better, but that's because Periscope was actually being backed by Twitter. Meerkat was using Twitter to link accounts to the the Twitter service so that if you're using Meerkat, the idea was that it could broadcast the fact that you are online to your Twitter followers. And then Twitter ended up blocking that app um, because they had their own. They had Periscope and they had that power. So Twitter is like, well, we're doing our own broadcast uh, app that allows people to stream video live from their phone to their followers. And we don't really want the competition. So guess what? You don't get to play in our yard. And uh, that was a big blow to Meerkat. Periscope is still one of those things that um, I think is fairly popular, but not overwhelmingly popular. We like to do it here at How Stuff Works. If you have not followed How Stuff Works on, on Periscope, if you have Periscope, you might want to consider following How Stuff Works because we do Periscope pretty frequently. Uh, and you'll see it from all sorts of different shows, like uh, stuff they don't want you to know does a Periscope every week, stuff to blow your mind also does a Periscope every week. Uh, I'll be doing Periscopes pretty frequently on How Stuff Works. Lauren Vogelbaum, my former co-host, she also Periscopes regularly uh, for How Stuff Works. So check us out. It's kind of fun. And we like to respond to people. You know, you can send questions in real time and we can respond to you. That's a lot of fun. Working remotely. Where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on to April. That's when Apple officially put the Apple Watch on sale. You can pre-order and buy them. And uh, it started at around $300 for your basic Apple Watch model. So pretty expensive, particularly when you consider the fact that it's not useful unless you also have an iPhone. Uh, this is kind of typical with smartwatches. Most of them require another device to pair with, and that's where they get their data. So, for example, the Pebble, it pairs via Bluetooth to a smartphone, and then you get notifications on your smartphone that then get sent to your Pebble watch, and then that's what gives you the notification. Same sort of thing with the Apple Watch, except, of course, it only works with the iPhone. It does not work with other devices. Uh, early reviews of the Apple Watch were a little mixed. A lot of them said that there was a pretty high learning curve, um, and not everybody thought it was terribly useful. And again, like if you're talking about you want just the Apple Watch and you don't have an iPhone, you're looking at, at almost a thousand dollars to get the watch plus a a current iPhone uh, to be able to use the thing. So little bit of a steep road, but for Apple fanatics, obviously it was something that was greeted with glee. People couldn't wait to get their, well, I was going to say get their hands on it, but I guess get them on their wrists would be more accurate. Also in April, HBO launched HBO now, which finally allowed people who did not have HBO on their cable plan to get access to HBO content. This is something people have been asking for for a few years now. The idea of, you know, I want to have an experience where I can subscribe to the specific channels I want and I don't have to get everything else. Uh, it turns out that we're going to have to do that a la carte channel by channel, or at least that's what it looks like right now. And HBO is one of those that you can do this with. You can subscribe to HBO now. You don't have to have HBO on your cable subscription. And you can get access to HBO content. So uh, this has also led some people to say perhaps this is the, the beginning of the end of the cable industry, the cable television industry, which would be really interesting if that's the case, because HBO played a big role in the beginning of the cable industry. If you listen to the episodes we did about the HBO story, you can hear about how important HBO was when cable was just growing. 
Also in April, Comcast and Time Warner ended up calling it quits on their move for a merger. This relieved a lot of people who said that if Comcast and Time Warner were to merge into one company, then even the illusion of competition would be erased in the uh, cable company and ISP world. There are a lot of places where Time Warner is the only choice for your cable. Comcast is the only choice for your cable. This merger would have made the company even bigger. And while Comcast kept saying that it would promote competition, a lot of critics said, I can't possibly see how that would happen. To us, it looks like you would essentially just dominate the entire landscape. And if you listen to the Comcast story episodes, you know Comcast's history is essentially one of acquisitions. It's a company that bought other companies, and that's how it grew year over year. It added customers not by improving their their offerings necessarily, although, you know, obviously I'm sure the company tried to do that year over year too. It largely added customers by buying up other networks and then incorporating those networks into Comcast. But this one did not work out. And so they abandoned it uh, largely because they were facing some pretty stiff opposition in the general uh, public. They were also seeing opposition from special interest groups, uh, from other companies. And it was pretty clear there was going to be a really hard sell for them to be able to merge. So they ultimately decided to to quit. Finishing out the news for April, a computer glitch in a digital slot machine convinced a woman she had won $41 million. It turned out to just be a glitch, a mistake. I can't imagine what this must have felt like. <clears throat> so the woman ended up suing the casino, saying she was owed the money she was told she had won. Imagine you're playing a video slot machine and you get a message saying, hey, you just won $41 million. I think you'd be pretty disappointed to go to the cashier and find out, nope, that's a computer error. You aren't owed any money, or maybe you're owed a couple of bucks. I think it was $2.63 ultimately for this person. The lawsuit was decided in favor of the casino, and the judge said, here's the thing. The rules for the game are laid out. They're displayed on the device or on the machine, or they show up on the screen and explains what the rules are. And included in those rules was the fact that the maximum payout of this machine was $10,000 US, that you could not win more than that. And based upon the results of that spin of the slot machine, the woman would not have won a jackpot in the first place. It was just a computer glitch. And that you cannot expect a casino to change the rules of a game while a game is being played. That would be unfair to one party or the other or both. And so ultimately the judge said, you can't hold a casino responsible for the malfunction of a screen. It's an unfortunate experience, but it's not one that will result in $41 million going to you. Sad trombone. In May 2015, the big story was there was another data security breach, and this time it hit the IRS. By August, the U.S. government said that as many as 334,000 taxpayer accounts had been compromised. Now, in May, when they first announced the discovery of the breach, 
they thought it was closer to a hundred thousand. So it got worse as time went on and as the investigation continued. The hackers had actually used a program called Get Transcript. That's a program IRS had implemented, which was meant to allow users to get a look at their tax transactions over time. So the hackers took advantage of vulnerabilities in the Get Transcript program uh, to get personal information from taxpayers. It's pretty ugly. But that's really the only story out of May. So moving on into June. Now, June and July... These are two months with lots and lots of stories, so I'll try and breeze through these as quickly as possible. First of all, in June, Apple had its Worldwide Developers Conference, one of the big events Apple holds every year. And at that conference, they unveiled OS 10.11, also known as El Capitan. They also announced Apple Music, which was a it's, it is a streaming music service, uh, competes with other streaming music services, everything from Google Play and Amazon Music and Pandora and Spotify, all those sort of things. <clears throat> Over in uh, Reddit, there was a bit of a brouhaha when Reddit ended up essentially removing a few subreddits because they were all centered around harassment, uh, harassing different groups. And Reddit said that while it, it it strives to be a platform for free expression, it will not tolerate harassment. Uh, that actually caused a bit of a, a stir. It was also announced in June that Twitter CEO Dick Costolo would be stepping down from the position and Jack Dorsey, the uh, co-founder of Twitter, would be stepping in as the interim CEO. By October, this would change. Dorsey would be named the new permanent CEO of Twitter. And so he is. Also in June, Verizon completed its acquisition of AOL, which was a $4.4 billion deal. So AOL is now a a property of Verizon. Uh, also in June, E3 happened. Uh, the big news there, Bethesda, the company that creates games like Fallout and Skyrim, held its first ever press conference and uh, blew people away with the the real pit boy that you could order as well as a uh, fallout shelter, which went, which became available that day, at least for iOS devices. It was a big hit. Uh, Microsoft showed off the HoloLens and that got a big reaction. They also announced that the Xbox one would get backwards compatibility with a selection of Xbox 360 titles. That was a big hit as well. Um, another big hit was star Wars battlefront. <coughs> Excuse me, Noel. <clears throat> Another big hit was Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, it got a great reaction from the crowd when it was announced. It has since come out. And I think uh received mainly positive reviews, but there are certainly some criticisms I've seen. I, I played in the beta and thought it was really, it captured the feeling of Star Wars really well. But the gameplay left something to be desired, at least for me. But then I haven't played all the game modes either. I only played the couple that were available in the beta. So perhaps I would change my mind if I played the full game. But there were a lot of other things that came out of E3. Uh, Final Fantasy VII's getting a remake. The PlayStation made a great presentation. Their conference was really well received. And in general, it looked like it was a pretty good year for E3, despite the fact that there were no huge announcements of new types of hardware, with the exception of the HoloLens functionality, where you could play Minecraft on a physical table and you could actually 
look at a representation of Minecraft as if it were st- sitting in front of you. Also in June, DARPA had its Robotics Challenge, which was super cool. It involved teams that had worked on robot designs, both from a software and hardware perspective. Some teams were using robots that were built by other companies or, or organizations, but they were the ones who developed the software for them. And the challenge was to complete a series of tasks that would be similar to what you would encounter in the wake of a nuclear reactor disaster, like what happened in Fukushima, Japan, after um, uh, the the nuclear reactor there had a meltdown. The robots had to do things like drive a vehicle, get out, go through a door, climb some stairs, cut a hole in a wall, and some other tasks as well. Ultimately, the team that won was Team Keist, K-A-I-S-T, which completed all eight tasks in 44 minutes, 28 seconds. So it wasn't exactly speedy, but it was very impressive because it is difficult to build a robot that is capable of doing lots of different things. Typically, we design robots to do a specific task, and that makes it easier to design. You just have to consider what things need to happen in order for this task to be completed as efficiently as possible. But when you have to design a robot that does multiple tasks, that's hard, Uh, especially if you're trying to make it do all these tasks as well as it possibly can and not kind of just bumble its way through. It's pretty tough. And if you watch videos from that DARPA challenge, you'll see lots of examples of robots falling over, which is both kind of funny and sad at the same time, but it really demonstrates how hard this field is. It's a very challenging field. In July 2015, well, on July 8th, we had a real nasty trio of tech failure stories hit at the same time. Uh, United Airlines had to halt flights for more than an hour due to an issue with, quote, degraded network connectivity for various applications, end quote. In other words, it pretty much looked like it was a router failure, which Cisco immediately got on the, the job trying to fix. On that same day, the New York Stock Exchange suffered technical issues that caused halt, uh, trading to halt for more than three hours. And the Wall Street Journal's website went offline. On July 8th. So all three of these things are happening. This actually led some people to question if perhaps they were connected in some way and maybe it was indicative of a cyber attack. It looks like it was just coincidence that all three of these things hit on the same day. But it definitely created some nervous laughter in various offices. Haha, I wonder who's next. Also in July, the FCC approved AT&T's merger with DirecTV, which was a $48.5 billion deal. You could say that 2015 was a year of attempted and successful mergers and acquisitions. A lot of big companies uh, actually made deals, and a few, like Comcast and Time Warner that I talked about earlier, attempted to but failed. Uh, it was a big year for that. The FCC said that the reason they approved the merger was that uh, they felt it would lead to stronger broadband and video bundles that could improve competition with established cable companies. If that's in fact the case, I'm in favor of it. I'm a little skeptical. But I would like to see more competition in that space for reasons that I've already talked about. 
Also in July, Amazon held its first Prime Day, which is kind of like a, a Black Friday or Cyber Monday sales event catered specifically to Prime customers. Clearly, this was a move to get more Prime subscriptions going, and it worked really well. So now Amazon's going to do it every single year. No big surprise there. In sad news, in July, Nintendo president Satoru Iwata passed away at age 55. He, he passed away on July 11th. He was very much a beloved figure at Nintendo, not just as a president, but as a game developer. And he had shown great passion for video games. He actually said that he considered himself first and foremost a gamer. So his passing shocked not just Nintendo, but the video game world in general. Also in July, Reddit CEO Ellen Powell stepped down. Uh, she was replaced by Reddit founder Steve Huffman. He's also a former CEO of Reddit. Uh, her departure followed a controversial decision to fire Victoria Taylor, who was the coordinator of the Ask Me Anything uh, feature at Reddit. Um, full details of exactly what happened were never released, but it appeared, at least in some reports, that Victoria Taylor was resisting certain changes that Reddit was hoping to implement in the AMA world, and as a result, she was let go. That seems to be what happened based upon certain reports, but like I said, a full disclosure of exactly what happened uh, has never really been made, at least not that I could find. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's go back to Tinder. I told you I was going to talk about it a couple times throughout the year. So in July, the service announced verified accounts for celebrities. So when you see a profile for Leonardo DiCaprio in your area, you can look for that little verification sign to make sure it's actually Leonardo DiCaprio and not just some guy named Vinny who's hoping he his passing resemblance to Leonardo will get him somewhere. So, yay. I... Being a married guy, I mean, I've been married for more than 18 years now. I find this Tinder stuff to be really amusing. And I got to be honest, I am so glad I am not in the dating world because I also think I'd be terrified if no one ever swiped right on me. Also, in July, it was revealed that the website Ashley Madison, which is dedicated to helping married people find folks who, who will have an affair with them, it had been hacked. I'm sure you heard this story. It was in all the news outlets for a long time, probably because of the salacious content here. And a lot of that information was released online. It was dumped into various uh, sites where it was quickly propagated and it embarrassed customers and the company alike. It also revealed some interesting data. A lot of people combed through this to get a better look at what it represented it appears that an overwhelming majority of the accounts on Ashley Madison belong to men. Uh, that a good number of the accounts belonging to women actually are dummy accounts and were perhaps used to act as essentially bait to lure men to use the service. You know, it doesn't do the men much good if there's no one there on the service for them to connect with and have their affair, I guess. The hacker or hackers chose the name The Impact Team and said that they had targeted ALM, which is the parent company that owns Ashley Madison and other related sites, because of unethical practices. Largely, they won about if you wanted to delete your account with Ashley Madison, you had to pay $19 for the privilege of having your information deleted. And even then, there was no guarantee that it was actually deleted. 
So that was the reason the hacker gave for targeting Ashley Madison. And this was a story that for at least a couple of weeks was in the headlines just because you kept getting names of people who were uh, found within the database. And it was an ugly affair. And I can't believe I just used that pun. It was totally unintentional. I really do promise. I didn't mean to. So as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was regretting it. Anyway, last story of July, uh, FCA, which is the parent company of brands like Jeep, Dodge, and Chrysler, had a massive recall of 1.4 million cars over concerns about how hackers could get remote access to vehicles through their connectivity features. Uh, on July 21st, senators introduced the Security and Privacy in Your Car Act, which was meant to help curtail uh, these sort of incidents. It was supposed to create security standards for new vehicles in the connected age. Uh, this was a very sobering moment. It was certainly something we knew, were expecting to happen because we knew that there were researchers, security researchers, who were going to unveil something about hacking cars at various security conferences like DEF CON and, uh, uh, you know, other black hat style conferences to say, this is a growing concern. And if companies aren't going to address it, we will go public with it so that consumers are aware of the potential danger they face by having a connected car. And, uh, honestly, I, I feel conflicted about this approach, but if a company is not taking steps to fix those problems before the products get into the hand of consumers, something does have to happen. I mean, it's it's not worth putting people's lives in danger to sell a few more vehicles. But this was a big deal. A recall of 1.4 million cars across Jeep, Dodge, and Chrysler brands. Moving on to August, only a couple of stories, but one of them was huge. August was when Google restructured and became Alphabet. So te technically, and I did a podcast where I described this. It was a really weird situation where Google formed a wholly owned subsidiary called Alphabet, then reorganized so that Alphabet became the parent company and Google was a subsidiary of Alphabet. Uh, there are other subsidiaries of Alphabet as well. And the idea is that these various new companies that formerly were departments under Google will be able to experiment and grow independently of Google. They will no longer depend upon Google to grow. And it's supposed to streamline those those different uh, groups so that they can function better without having to depend upon uh, companies that they don't have any other influence with. So we'll see how that pans out over time. Also, more Tinder news in August. After five months as CEO, Chris Payne stepped down and co-founder Sean Rad was reinstated as CEO. Ultimately, Tinder said, uh, they, it was very diplomatic. They said that Chris Payne was not a good long-term fit for CEO. Moving on to September, the Recording Industry Association of America, or RIAA, reported that streaming music generated a third of all music revenue for the first half of 2015. That's huge. It, it marks a, a, an incredible shift from the, to the way, you know, we listen to music. It's, it used to be that you would buy albums or buy singles, you know, from the days of vinyl albums to tapes to CDs and then digital 
albums. Now we're using streaming services a lot more, uh, enough for it to make up a third of the revenue. So while the music industry might not like the streaming model, it looks like that's the way the consumer wants to listen to music, or at least a growing number of consumers. So that's really interesting. Apple held its annual press event in September that was focused on products like the iPhone. Uh, it also announced the iPad Pro, the large tablet that measures like 12.9 inches. And they also introduced a new stylus device called the Pencil. And that's probably what would have made Steve Jobs pull his hair out in frustration because he famously dismissed the idea of a stylus when he launched the iPad. Apple also announced a new generation of the Apple TV set-top box with Siri integration. Uh, one that is not without its problems, as I am led to understand from a friend of mine who owns one of these. Um, the iPhone also got an update with the 6S and the 6S Plus, uh, and they also introduced a new interface called 3D Touch. Uh, in September, John McAfee, the founder of the McAfee Antivirus Program and the all-around eccentric dude, some people might say eccentric is being exceedingly kind, he announced his intention to run for president. Uh, McAfee has a reputation for, let's say, questionable behavior and has a pretty weird past. We did an episode about him this year on Tech Stuff. So if you want, you can hunt down the John McAfee story on Tech Stuff to hear more about this guy's life. On September 18th, news broke that Volkswagen had been using what has been called a defeat device to rig emissions testing for its diesel vehicles. We also did an episode about this on Tech Stuff. So this device essentially turned on some emissions uh, equipment, some protocols in Volkswagens, so that when you are, are actually doing an emissions test, the emissions are well below the uh, the limits that are, are placed there. However, when you get into regular driving conditions, the defeat device is switched off and your vehicle starts to pollute a lot more, but the performance goes way up. And... Uh, once this was discovered, it was the beginning of a real PR nightmare for Volkswagen that is continuing to this day. Also, in September, Elon Musk, or Elon Musk, appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and suggested that we could terraform Mars if we just detonated some nuclear bombs at the poles. Kind of like melting all that ice and possibly creating an atmosphere. And I don't know what else, because I honestly, I think... If we did do that, we would raise such enormous dust clouds in Mars's atmosphere that you wouldn't be able to do any useful terraforming for quite a long time in the first place. Uh, I don't think it would necessarily work. I'm not the only one who thinks that, but what do I know? I'm not an expert. Speaking of Elon Musk and Tesla, Tesla launched the Model X SUV in September. That's an SUV capable of going from zero to 60 miles per hour in 4.8 seconds, unless you cough up the cash for the pricier performance model, that can go 0 to 60 in 3.2 seconds. It also has a top speed of 155 miles per hour. That's wicked fast. So the price for a signature series model X SUV is $130,000. The standard model is slightly less expensive. Still well out of my price range, however. 
In October, the film Steve Jobs, which was written by Aaron Sorkin, debuts. Uh, it would go on to earn only $18 million domestically. Uh, if you, if you factor in all the theaters worldwide, it's still a little less than $24 million. And that makes it a flop. Uh, reportedly it had a budget of 30 million, so it made less than it cost to make. A lot of people in the tech industry seem to be happy about this. They criticized the movie, saying that it was not a realistic portrayal of Steve Jobs. On October 5th, people, that's P-E-E-P-L-E, disappeared before it could even launch. So people, in case you're not familiar, uh, was an app that was supposed to allow people to rate one another, kind of like Yelp for people. So if I had an interaction with you, and I thought you were being a little stroppy, as Gavin Free would say, I could give you a negative rating on people and warn others of your stroppiness. You could do the same for me, saying, this man is bald and unpleasant. And it got a lot of people worried that the negativity that you can encounter online could spill over into our personal lives even more than it already is. So by October 5th, uh, it was supposed to launch in November of this year, but by October 5th, most traces of it disappeared. The website was gone. Uh, its Facebook and Twitter accounts disappeared. The Instagram account was switched to private. So it looks like people, after facing some public criticism and ridicule, may be gone. Also in October, Amazon announced it would stop selling Apple TV and Chromecast on its site instead funneling people to buy stuff like Fire TV and become Amazon Prime members. You might say that's a little bit of self-interest, or a lot. It's a lot of self-interest. Uh, Edward Snowden joined Twitter in October. He's the whistleblower who revealed the NSA practices. Um, quickly became very popular on Twitter. People wanted to hear more about his perspective on cybersecurity and privacy issues. Facebook was rumored to be adding a dislike button in October, but instead introduced reactions. These are sort of emoticons that allow users to react to a status update beyond just a thumbs up. Because sometimes you see status updates that warrant a different reaction. You don't necessarily want to like that status update. And so this would give you a few more options without it becoming a tool that you could abuse and make people feel badly about it. At least that's the theory. Also, the New Horizons probe explored Pluto, and that was pretty awesome. We started getting some really cool information about Pluto. Uh, in October, NASA announced the probe had found evidence of exposed water ice on the surface of Pluto. Also, we got some incredible images of Pluto, stuff I didn't think I would ever live to see. So it was really exciting. Tesla was back in the headlines. Uh, it gave an overnight update that uh, allowed Tesla vehicles autonomous capabilities. It is limited. You cannot use this to just take you from point A to point B with never touching the steering wheel or the accelerator or the brake. It's not intended to be that. It's more like a really sophisticated driver assist system, not a fully autonomous vehicle. That being said, there were a lot of people who did videos of themselves behind the wheel of a Tesla in autonomous mode, not touching any of the controls, which is remarkably dangerous. As Tesla has said, don't do that. But hey, you know, you can't, I guess, I guess if you give people a toy, they're going to play with it. 
Also in October, Consumer Reports revised its previous rating for the Tesla Model S. Now, originally they said the Tesla Model S was so good, it broke their ratings scale. They said it was, it was just remarkable how its performance was above and beyond every other vehicle on the road. They revised that and said while the performance was still incredible, they were not reliable. In other words, when they're working, they work great, but they don't always work. So they pulled the recommendation rating from the car as a result of these reliability issues. And on October 21st, 2015, we finally had Back to the Future Day. That's the date that Marty McFly and Doc Brown visit in Back to the Future 2. And as part of that celebration, Nike announced that it would be releasing self-lacing shoes, which are also featured in Back to the Future 2. You didn't get a whole lot of other things that are in Back to the Future 2, which I'm fine with. I don't need to see Jaws 19. Also, we saw that Yahoo announced its video streaming service, which had picked up Community after it had been canceled on broadcast television. The streaming service lost $42 million in the third quarter of 2015, largely due to the expense of producing high-end shows like Community. Uh, it, they had not figured out how to monetize it, so things were looking pretty grim for that Yahoo streaming service. And the Wall Street Journal reported that Chrome OS is living on borrowed time, that in 2016 it will end up being folded into Android, and that by 2017 you will no longer be able to buy a Chromebook anywhere. They won't be on sale anymore. Finally, November, and I say finally because remember, it is December 3rd as I record this, so I don't really have any December news. On Black Friday, which is the day after Thanksgiving here in the United States, there was about just shy of a billion dollars, $905 million in sales from smartphones and tablets. Not of the smartphones and tablets, but rather people were using their mobile devices to do shopping. Uh, with iOS users spending the most money, apparently. Mobile shopping had increased by 30% from the previous year. So it looks like more and more people are using their mobile devices for their shopping needs. Uh, it's pretty interesting to me. It, it, it's, again, another Im- implication that the Internet is changing wildly, that, that our mobile devices are becoming our, our primary means of interacting with the Internet these days. Uh, it's not true for me, but it's certainly the, the prevalent uh, theme that I'm seeing in every other you know, demographic, just not bald guys who host tech stuff. And finally, it's rumored that the next iPhone will no longer have a 3.5-millimeter headphone jack. Instead, you will have to use either Bluetooth or a lightning connector to connect your your headset to your phone. Now, that means that if you're using a hardwired headset, you will not be able to do so while also charging the phone. You will have to do one or the other. And it also means that if you want a hardwired headset, you're going to have to rely on a proprietary connector for headphones, which really limits where you can get your headphones, at least until other uh, manufacturers are able to produce lightning connector headsets. And that tends to upset consumers. I know that I go crazy when I buy something that has its own proprietary connector 
because it means that if I lose that cable, that's it. I have to buy a replacement. And some places you can't even get replacement cables, at least not easily. I'm thinking largely of uh, certain products from a company that rhymes with pony. <laughs> but at any rate, that's tough. Like I, I would much prefer to have uh, universal connectors because I've got tons of like mini and micro USB cables, for example. I would much rather have those even if they don't perform as well as lightning because if I lose one, I've still got replacements. But that's the problem, I guess. All right, so that wraps up the year in review. Our next episode will be our predictions for 2016. My favorite time of year when I put on my prognosticator hat and I make wildly inaccurate predictions. So I hope you guys enjoy those next episodes. I hope that your 2015 was a good one. I hope 2016 is even better. And guys, if you have suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, let me know. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. My email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or drop me a line on Twitter, Tumblr, or Facebook. The handle at all three of those is techstuffhsw. And I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. It's brand new Season 2. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.